0: Hello, and welcome to Cool for Cats with me, Amy Hughes. We're inviting you in for black coffee and a chat about our favorite band, Squeeze. In this episode, I'm welcoming speaker, author, and journalist, Gary McKechnie. Hello, Gary. How are you?
1: I'm fine, Amy. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. You and I have so much to talk about that doesn't really even have to concern the Beatles, but maybe it will. <laughs> Because, dear listeners, Gary and I have gone back a few years with uh, some uh, preservation uh, shouting about for the Beatles and the preservation of the Deauville Hotel in Miami, since both Gary and I are here in Florida. Uh, But that's a story for another day. And Gary has just come across with some intriguing information about his associations with squeeze so Gary I'm gonna hand the proverbial virtual microphone over to you with uh, with how it all began back in the day when we were oh. <laughs> <sitting
1: down. laughs> well you know uh, Amy it's it's interesting I hadn't really heard about squeeze until I was working at a record shop in Orlando and I saw the cover of uh, I still don't know if it's Argy Bargy or RG Bargie. Uh, if it's a hard G or a soft G. It's a, way, it's a soft G. Uh, either way, I was uh, absolutely enthralled. And when I listened to it and I would play it, and a lot of folks coming into the record shop, uh, they were mostly listening to Thriller at the time. Uh, but I always listened to that. I always played it because I loved it. And it was it was several more years before I had a chance to see them live. I saw them in Daytona Beach um, in March of 88. The next day they played at SeaWorld in Orlando. Uh, and but it was in Daytona. And I thought this was really interesting. Jules was, uh, playing with them at the band shell. I think it was for a spring break concert. And afterward, my brother and I, it was on the sort of on the pool deck of this hotel. And, uh, so my brother and I went into the hotel and we sort of like sniffing around trying to find, Hey, would we be able to meet Chris, uh, and Glenn and Jules and Gilson? And, um, I remember we we found the hotel room and we're standing outside the door and Chris came out and he just sort of blew right past us didn't say much and but when he did that the door when the door opened Glenn was on the far end of the room sitting on a sofa and he catches my eye and I'm standing there with a few squeeze albums and when the door closed I thought oh well that's it you know I'll have to wait another 45 minutes until someone else leaves the room. And a few seconds later, Glenn, just as gracious as could be, had had seen the predicament <laughs> and uh came out, came to the door and he goes, Oh, he goes, I know, yeah, I saw you waiting and uh is there anything, you know, do you want to say hello? And I said, Oh yeah, absolutely. i really enjoyed the show. And uh he got a sharpie or I had a sharpie and he signed the albums and I thought that was nice of him. He could have just stayed on the couch and ignored us. But uh he was kind enough to come out and you know, chat for a few minutes. And, uh, I I thought that was just great. Um, fast forward about 20 something years. And I'm now speaking on the Queen Mary two and the ships of the Cunard line. And I'm talking about the Beatles and Elvis and Buddy Holly and Chuck Berry. And when I was doing that and I'm sailing to Hawaii and down to South America and to Canada and around the Mediterranean, I started thinking this is something that, um, might be good for Chris uh, speaking on the Queen Mary 2. And there were a lot of British celebrities who were speaking, and uh, I figured he'd be just as good. So I got in touch with him. I I found his email address, sent him an email. Uh, He said, could you run this through my manager, and maybe he can take care of it, and he did. And um, Chris went aboard the Queen Mary 2, and uh, I think he had several, three or four voyages uh, doing transatlantic voyages with uh, his his band, not Squeeze, but with uh, some musicians. And he was having a songwriting seminar called Songs in the Key of C, S-E-A. And And uh, I remember the first time, and I was really regretting that I, that I wasn't selected to speak on that same voyage because he brought along a pal of his, Roger Daltrey. <laughs> and the entertainment director was sending me pictures hey here's me with Chris and Roger hey and here's me with Chris and Roger uh down uh with the crew in the crew quarters you know when they're doing a little jam session with the with the uh Queen Mary 2 orchestra and i thought oh this would have been so cool but uh uh Chris and i had communicated via email and he appreciates the fact uh you know i introduced him to that and i hopefully everything worked out okay but, uh, yeah, that, those are my encounters with them, and uh, I, I just think, I think they're fantastic, and I'm, I'm glad they, they, their songs have this uh, longevity.
0: It's kind of interesting and uh, sort of serendipitous that uh, you sort of fell into all of this, although a lot of the angles uh, for people to come into the Squeeze universe are varied. Uh, right. you, know, you you can come in as an early riser, so to speak, mm. with a lot of the um you know tunes from the back in the day, you know literally like the first album, and then sometimes you discover them by accident, uh you know like you heard a song and you 're like, "I wonder who that band is, and nowadays exactly. you exactly. Shazam it and you find out that, oh, that wait a minute, that's that's yep. squeeze. And and so that's wonderful. We'll still, we are still doing that to this mm-hmm. day, so to speak. So uh with that in mind, you and I had talked about, okay, what really resonates with us as a theme right. for this conversation. And due to the absolutely, you know, in tune nature of of you being a writer and and exploring and and just you know, listening to the to the to the songs, uh, we thought that we would sort of kind of go down a list of your favorites.
1: Sure, sure. I'd love to do that.
0: So we have uh, the first one, which, you know, kind of is just like basically your introductory uh, home run hit from right. (laughs) Uh, From uh, it's from it's Take Me, I'm Yours. And uh, so what made you kind of Pull that one out.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. When I first heard them on Argy Bargy, some people used to say Argy Bargy, uh, but I've I've since learned Argy Bargy from an expert. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, when I heard that, it was so different from anything else um, I had heard. And, and again, I'm picking up on them in 1982. But when I found out who they were, and I started playing their other albums. And I ran across this, what I like about it and what makes me extremely uh, envious of Chris is his ability to paint such vivid pictures with his words. If you listen to uh, Marty Robbins' song, El Paso, that story song uh, about the, the cowboy who shoots Felina, uh, Felina's uh, boyfriend or Felina's lover, and then he has to escape, and in your writing this movie in your head so when i listened to take me i'm yours which had that you know really beautifully syncopated uh, i think it's a snare drum that starts it off and it just sort of evokes this desert caravan um and then the lyrics match the 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 sound of the song and it, it's like you're you know it's sort of like a kid again watching um aladdin or a thousand and one Arabian Nights. And you're 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 just picturing this um, oasis in the desert, and this guy is traveling across maybe the Sahara. And I think of Michael Palin's uh, book on the Sahara and his special about traveling across it. And then he's he's in Tibet. He's um he's talking about eagles flying, grapes uh being fed. And all of that, again, I, I get chills just thinking about the imagery of it. You can, you can picture any desert caravan, I, at least in my opinion, um, where you, you have uh, a sheik's tent. And th- that, that's what I get when I, I look at the lyrics, talk, talking about uh, the belly dancers that are there. Uh, it, it, it just all comes together as beautiful imagery uh, not from the twentieth century, but I'll go back maybe jeez to the to the seventeen hundreds or the eighteen hundreds with uh pashas and uh, uh i don't, i don't know what the other word is Rajas um like the golden idol uh you know just that sort of thing that uh, i'm I'm probably not expressing it as well as I should, but again just that um that desert. Um, Arabian Nights visuals,
0: sort of like a a small scale version of like David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe this could be like the the trailer for for Lawrence of Arabia. And in, in fact, I wish I had said that to begin with; it would have saved saved us all a lot of time.
0: No. But <laughs> uh, everybody's got a, a an interesting um, sort of slant about what you know is contained within the lyrics especially you know coming across in that time period i don't personally think that a lot of bands were focused with so much wordplay uh in describing this particular you know situation it's just it's beautiful because it's got a great beat you know right. courtesy of Glenn and you look at the words and it's really like a sort of backwards love song. Uh, you want to say that he's sitting back enjoying a show uh, that's, you know, rather on the sort of exotic side, and yet he's willing to give of himself because it's so intoxicating.
1: And, and it's interesting when, when you listen to the lyrics, and, and again, I sort of place this on my World Globe uh in the Sahara desert, uh, that that's where I get it. But then he's talking about Tibet and my geography is not the best, but I don't think Tibet is close to uh, North Africa. So <laughs> it's a, uh, as a traveler, I, I just love it. It's, um, it, and again, it, it brings back to mind, Michael Palin, if you read his books on travel and especially the Sahara, Uh, He talks about seeing, I think it was like a a candy wrapper or something that had a picture of like the pyramids and and, uh, the Sphinx. And he saw that when he was a kid and all of a sudden it triggered, hey, maybe that stuff is out there. And if you're, if you happen to run across this song, maybe it'll bring those images to mind, you know, these exotic images and places that you can travel and some things that might happen uh, when you, when you get underway.
0: Well, I know the literal interpretation of how Chris was inspired by these words, which came across to him when he visited um, his manager, the band's manager, Miles Copeland, Uh his mother. Um, Everybody was involved in government work. And when Chris went there, she was a collector of Egyptian artifacts and uh-huh. travels uh that were mostly concerned with the family in the middle east and so that's partially where where chris got uh his uh inspiration which you know could be continued, you know as far as the lyrics are concerned
1: to to me that's as much of a, a bit of magic as john lennon getting good morning good morning from a kellogg's cornflakes commercial I could I could look at Egyptian artifacts until uh, I passed out. I would never think to turn them into a song like this. <laughs> and there lies the difference between me and Chris Difford.
0: Right, and you know it's perfectly allowable because that's just the way that you know Chris's mind you know yes. was working at the time. Right, and. and the good thing about what was happening with him is that he would just basically use his imagination for events that he particularly wasn't going through personally. They just happened to uh-huh. come. In. And that's probably where a lot of the um, goodbye girl starts to happen. But it could be also a lot of people ask him, well, is this autobiographical? Right, and right. He he kind of alludes to some portions of a lot of his songs, uh, considering the lifestyle that he was starting to live, sure. which was being a rock star and, well, maybe not so much a rock star, but definitely uh, conversing with, you know, several different types of people. And
1: uh, and I love a goodbye Girl, I, I assume we're making the switch to, to that song now. And it's interesting that you say, hey, these things may have happened to him or maybe not. It reminds me of um, Albert Einstein's uh, thought experiments. Hey, what if I were sitting on a beam of light and what would I see? And Chris Difford, hey, what would it be like if I did meet her in a pool room? And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, were in a room together. And, and again, the the fact that I met her in a pool room, her name I didn't catch. Um, you, you can visualize these things. And I, I'm going to use that word all over and over and over again, because everyone has an image of what a pool room looks like. It might be slightly different off by a few degrees, but generally, you know what one looks like. And whether it's Chris or somebody else, and I, I would picture Chris, in this situation. And then waking up, sunlight on the lino, the linoleum, wakes him up. And is she there or or is she not? Uh, has she taken off with, with his, his wallet? I, I don't know. What do you think, Amy?
0: I think it's a, a very sort of beautiful version of something that could have happened that might appear slightly seedy. Yes. In retrospect to the times, um, you probably have um, a thought pattern basically being a guy like him and playing the places that he played, Mm -hmm. then it should be more um, romanticized than, than it actually is. And if that's the case, He also infuses more realistic aspects of, you know, what exactly could have happened, but he lets you kind of read into it.
1: It, Yeah. And when you get to the lines, uh, and I know there's different versions of this song. I lost my silver razor, my clubroom locker keys, the money in the waistcoat. It doesn't bother me. Um, I I think of that great Seinfeld episode where George Costanza gets on the subway and he's seduced by the woman on the subway who takes him to a hotel room, puts him in handcuffs, and then steals his money, like all $7 of it. (laughs) And It's just some, some, some guy who's just so anxious for sex. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this woman anywhere. And then what are the ramifications for that? But no one, uh, again, was writing songs like this, not, not to the multiple layers of meaning uh, in imagery that it had. It was, I I think at that time, if you were lucky, you were probably getting the, you know, the standard, I love you, you love me, or we broke up. And he, he writes like a novelist uh, which is really extraordinary to me Uh, in, in Songwriters, it, it, it has to be like Paul, John or Paul or Bob Dylan or Elvis Costello or somebody who has a way of taking the same 26 letters and putting them in an order, in, into the, the order of words that hadn't been heard before. And I think Chris does this brilliantly well. And of course, this came on the heels of the Neil Simon uh, play and movie. Uh, so so it all it all seemed to fit. Not that Marsha Mason was taking off on Richard Dreyfus, but it, you think there was a connection there, whether there was or not. Maybe just he just pulled the title from it. But uh, it, it, it is sort of odd that you know, what what hotel room has linoleum floors? It sounds like it could be uh, a mental hospital, too. Uh, oh,
0: I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, So 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 you don't really know. And that's that's the the great part of um, songs or any music that you're interested in. Any any song that you can pull a thread and continue to pull it for decades, uh, still trying to solve that mystery of, hey, what is it really about? Uh, and I, I'm not sure if Chris has ever done anything like, um, uh, say, anthology or uh, or like the, the lyrics by Paul McCartney, where you go in and hey, this was the inspiration for it. This was the meaning behind it. Uh, And again, I'll I'll just jump over to John Lennon real quick. I think it was uh, uh, Strawberry Fields or maybe I Am the Walrus. And he said, hey, let the blanks figure this one out. Uh, And he was just having fun with it. Uh, I don't think Chris was doing it to that degree, but it's still a, a treat to hear that song. And you you can you can work it like a puzzle you can change the situation you can change the room you can change the girl he was with the girl who took off you can uh change everything around all you have to do is use your imagination and uh, you can create uh different scenarios for every one of uh every one of these verses
0: and what's really uh the kicker for a lot of a lot of this is that you are still thinking about the lyrics so many years. Uh, yes. But you have to remember, too, that a lot of them could be slightly on the darker side. Sure. Um, for where Chris was was coming from, just, you know, as, as a personality, as a human being. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, Glenn would put melodies... Uh, to these, to these words, Mm -hmm. and it would just totally throw you. It's like, really? That's what, that's what he was really talking about? Or not? You know, it was so open to interpretation based on the fact of how closely, uh, you know, Glenn would construct a melody to Chris's lyrics or go completely, you know, off off somewhere in left field
1: yeah and, and it's that great creative tension uh it, say say this glenn had put this tune to uh like a funeral dirge <laughs> you would have thought oh gosh oh my this is so sad but it's really sort of a a peppy a peppy song and uh it, and and so you hear it and it's like okay is he happy or, or, or is he sad? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is it okay that his wife has moved to, to Jersey? Uh, <laughs> you don't know, but it's, you know, ultimately it doesn't really matter. It's just fun. It's fun to listen to. It's fun to sing along to. Um, and it's fun to, to, to try to puzzle it all out. And you just want to enjoy it. And, and you do.
0: Yeah, and that kind of uh, segues way into the next one. We're talking about a lot of women sort of things, like with Women's World, which is the next song Uh, we're going to talk about. All from like these interesting, um, I want to use the word like depression era, but Uh. to the strong woman of the 50s kind of viewpoint, you know, she was... She's resigned, but she doesn't want to be resigned to the fact that you know this happened so this is like a completely uh, different viewpoint of her being um you know trying to be really really strong
1: yeah and it and it um you know I don't want to get too deep into it, but uh you know on a personal level I've seen women who were beaten down by the situations they were in the men they were with the families that they were trying to care for underappreciated overworked and when and it's interesting that i'm picking these songs i mean the last two songs and maybe a few more down the road but again this is this could be the script for uh a, a tv drama uh where you see this woman in the house and she's just trying to get by and i remember um and amy you'll have to correct me uh, or or film me in. was was this on Argy bargy woman's world or was
0: woman's world. no this was on uh, east side story
1: oh yeah that was another one i played at the record shop and i just remember sitting on the counter uh playing the song in the record store and then when Glenn hits that one line, there's no crown upon her head, there's no kingdom. And it just like pierced through uh, the space. And because I had, I had time, no customers in the store at the time, mm-hmm. and I would hear this and I'm thinking he is describing uh, women I know. He's, he's describing situations I had seen in my neighborhood growing up where it it, in the 1970s hey this is a a male dominated society this is the woman who is tasked with all of these things and uh, um you you just you just sort of pity this woman when she's uh staggers up the hallway makes herself a sandwich as they're looking through the doorway i don't know if she's drunk i i or maybe just beaten down by life but whatever it is it's uh A really pitiful sorrowful scene and uh, you just want to go in and rescue her uh, just get her out of that place (laughs) and let her know she's appreciated Uh, so that one that one really speaks to me on a a lot of a lot of different personal levels again I think anyone who's observant who's watching the world around them uh, will will think of someone they knew uh maybe i hate to even say maybe the even their own mother uh the mother of a friend uh, a newlywed couple who's trying to figure things out but this situation happens uh frequently and i think uh chris if he didn't get an award for this song uh he he should have because it just it just sort of wraps all of that, um, I don't know, it's not a culture, it's a situation. He wraps it all up in a a nice little package, a sort of melancholy, depressing, sort of hopeful, wistful, wishful package.
0: And it is uh, also heartbreaking um, to... Because you can, this one to me feels like you can actually get into each stanza, and like you say with that particular one right before the end of the song, where you know she's fed up, she abdicates her title, uh, yeah, and I, I'm
1: she, over and it, she,
0: and yeah, and and then the family's just like expecting something different. Oh, they're not getting yeah. what they think they should be getting, and she's just like. I can't do this anymore. I have to go and and I have to lay down, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell you, you know, on a personal level, I remember I was, I was, boy, man, if I, if I knew myself when I was 15, I would have, you know, smacked myself. Uh, I remember I was just, you know, just a cocky, uh, unappreciative kid. And I remember, you know, just one night my mom puts the, 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 dinner down at the table. And I just looked at it and I sort of, you know, just when it went, huh, you know, sort of like, you know, is this the best you got? And she just looked at me and she picked, picked up my my uh, dish in my dinner and she just walked back in the kitchen, dumped it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I thought, Hey, uh, uh, I went a step too far and man, that always sticks with me 45 years later. And you, and that's, you know, that's what I see in this song. It's like these people, hey, she's she's doing everything she should be doing. She's meeting all her responsibilities. And then to have the husband or the kids not appreciate it. And she gets to a point, it's like, okay, she's going to the bar. Uh, she comes back home. Screw you guys. I'm going to bed. And I, I, I think, again, just on a human level, everybody gets pushed to a breaking point. In this case, it happens to be the woman who has been taking care of things and uh, in the family, just, okay, Hey, that's what mom does. And I can tell you from experience, when I uh, pulled that stunt on my mom, she sort of showed me, uh, Hey, this isn't something uh, you do. And man, did I learn my lesson that night in this song? uh, You know, if I think about it too much, I mean, I could, I could draw uh, an almost direct line to it. You know, my mom did go to a bar of course, but uh, it was uh it, it's it's a good one it's a good one on a, on just a human level those human connections that uh he writes about
0: yeah and i'd also like to see it unfortunately played a little bit more often but i kind of understand the cadence is a little bit of a throw off it's it's not as it's really slow and quiet i believe that they did it once on the last tour here in the us they had a guest um player with them um whose name escapes me and I'll probably have to go look for it but it was appropriate um that it come out in that you know in that direction but as a band I'm not quite sure the mindset is there because of the time back then but can you imagine trying to play this at like um, CBGBs, the oh, Stellar, some you know, one hundred capacity nightclub, you know, and with beers everywhere. This just wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna make yeah, it.
1: Yeah, this is a thoughtful song. This is uh this is a uh, you know uh, fix fix things before they break song, and uh, you have to be tuned into it.
0: Absolutely, although. The the other song that's really interesting is uh, the one that you picked uh, next was was Piccadilly.
1: Oh, I, <laughs> one of my favorites.
0: I just I love it because there's so much going on in that song that you're just like, and it, again, it's from East Side Story, but the um, the circumstances are almost comical you know, it's, in a, it's in a so world.
1: incredible. I, I, I was trying to think of the Paul McCartney song. And if I, if I, I, I know, you know, it, the one where he talks about the girl who it's, it's not um, she's leaving home. It's the, it's the one I think he put out on a solo album about the girl who gets in her car and drives up to the highlands or something. Uh, uh, another day, I think. Yeah.
0: Another day. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, other day. Yeah. And um, I think of that, and I think this one is on, this equals or surpasses that. And, and again i this is one of my favorite songs if i if i'm ever feeling down i could put this one on and just be happy in a nanosecond and there there's so many lines in it that i wish i could i wish i had thought of first and you know they say a poet i remember when i i was in composition class in uh, in college and the teacher was talking about poetry she says a poet says the mostest in the leastest and i thought oh, that's pretty good. And that always stuck with me. It's like, how much, how much can you put together? How much can, can, how much can you convey in a sentence using the fewest number of words? And when I get to just those five or six words, uh, when, he, when he says she hooks up her cupcakes and puts on her jumper. And <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think that is apps. That just tells you everything you need to know about this girl. It's, uh, she, it's, it's such a chipper sentence. It's such a, um, Hey, is she still in her training bra? You know, is, is, uh, how, how old is this girl? But it, to, to me, that's, that's what I see. I see this young girl. She's got a purple hairdryer. No, it's not brown. It's not yellow. It's not black. It's a purple one. Uh, I can picture her bedroom just by knowing that, uh, the color of her hairdryer and in the fact that she's has to uh, hook up her cupcakes and it's 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 such a visual uh uh it's like his his thesaurus is just perfect. What's another word for breasts? Uh cupcakes? Yeah, you, cupcakes. that'll work.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of like he he can't think of anything else to say but that so he's just going to say it. Yeah. If if, yeah. if if you put it in that perspective and then um it's it's kind of interesting because as it goes along, you know, like in the next you know verse, you know, she's just going on and on talking about her day and everything, and he's just yes. kind of like, you know, la 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 <laughs> la la la, you know, just trying to put up with it all. Because I find that the next verse is the most hysterical. Yeah, uh, he's making the observation about the people behind him.
1: Yes. Oh my God, that that one first time I heard that, I I just. I just thought it was great. I must have played this song, you know, four or five times in a row. It's like, oh my God. Uh, and you're talking about a man behind me talks to his young lady.
0: Is yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's hap- and I still use that line. I'll I'll slip it into a conversation with people who don't know this song. I said, Oh yeah, a friend of mine's uh, you know, he's talking to uh, to his young lady. Oh yeah, what yeah. Well, you know she's, she's having his baby. I said, his wife won't be pleased, but, uh, she's not been around lately. It's like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh. And so they, they don't know I'm quoting Piccadilly, but it's just such a beautiful line. And I can, I can see that after college, I, I headed over to Europe and I backpacked around Europe for, for seven months. And I, I spent as much time as I could in England. And I remember I I was just such a fan of the Beatles, at the time, this is back in 1985, it was like, where could I go? That was just so purely British and hanging around Piccadilly Circus was one of them, you know. Uh I, I remember Victoria Station, all that hanging at Buckingham Palace. So when I when I listen to this song, I I can now see uh where he's talking about. And and again, everybody has a little movie theater in their head so when you hear this song and you know what the the candle at taj mahal looks like uh you you know the neon club lights of adult films and trini lopez uh when they sneak into the house uh together you you're you're watching the whole thing you're the art director of this script uh so you're you're now putting everything together and and he lays out every scene and it starts with her Drying her hair, hooking up her cupcakes, and meeting this guy in Piccadilly. Um, and, and it goes, it goes to the show, it goes to dinner, it goes to the taxi, uh, it goes to the house, and how he advances the plot in just two sentences. It's 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 so striking to me, and I I've spent years, and sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. My batting average is pretty good. Um, when I convey a story, uh, on the page, but I certainly can't do the mostest in the leastest, uh, like Chris Difford. And in this one is, is great. I mean, when he's talking about the begging folk singer and in, in a fiver and a 10 P in his hat for collection, you can see that because you've seen buskers out there with, uh, looking for cash. You, you can see everything he describes because it's all familiar. And he, he just has a gift of saying it in a way that is entertaining. And you can hear it over and over and over and over again for 40 years. And it doesn't get old. It's still funny.
0: And it does have like this sort of galloping melody to it. <laughs> yeah. like, it just yeah. like skips along.
1: Yeah. it it, it just goes and that is that is the beauty of listening to these two uh you know just beyond uh Gilson and John Bentley and uh Jules just the synchronicity of Chris and Glenn and how they complement each other uh they they it, it, they're you know this is a cliche they're more than the sum of their parts
0: it is and it isn't because you definitely feel as though they are in charge uh, and they will they will you know put this car on the road and get it somewhere and everybody else around them contributes beautifully to that to that storyline mm-hmm. and the fact that um you're able to relate to everything that's going on. You think one thing's happening, but actually something else is happening because you get sucked into that first verse, like you said. Well, you think, oh, he's just going to be dissing this girl and he doesn't really care. He just wants to get out for the night. Maybe you'll get lucky. But yeah. the, the, the language that Chris uses along the way to get to the very end has kind of a comical ending to it, kind of a, you know, this denouement. And then, boom, you find out that basically. Basically, you know, his mom's, you know, her mom's checking in on them um, yeah. when they get to wherever they get to, you know, they wherever they were. So it's really so um, there's like these just forces going back and forth.
1: Yeah, I it just just one of my favorites. I, I of all Squeeze songs, I'd put this up in the top five.
0: Yeah. And the delivery is so exquisite, you know, yes. um, it's kind of a bummer because of that. Galloping kind of skipping melody to it because you kind of lose the lyrics. Say if you were at a sweaty club and <laughs> you weren't quite getting it um, as well as you should. If that makes if that makes any sense, because it's truly it's it's really a, a a fine piece of work.
1: Yeah, all I know is when I listen to it, if I happen to be in the car by myself, uh, it the volume is turned up high and my voice is even. Higher, and I'm just like it's—it's it's a wonderful song to sing along to, uh, any time of the day, and I, I wish more people knew it. I—it it should be it, if this were the Great American Songbook, if they had the you know the equivalent uh, of the Great American Songbook for 1980s uh, British rock, this would be in it.
0: Yeah, I think we'd all agree that almost every song off of East Side Story oh, is, is worthy. Um, but, uh, like you've noted in your list, um, there's like so many to pick off of RG Bargy. Like the next one you picked was, uh, Vicky Verky.
1: Yeah. RG Bargy, Vicky Verky. How about that? Uh, he, oh my goodness gracious. Uh, a, a, again, though she's only 14, she really knows her courting. Um, boy, again, I bet she has a purple hairdryer as well. And I bet before she went out to meet this guy, uh, she hooked up her cupcakes too. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: And th- this is, it's, it's sort so, sort of a sad song and that when he, he, he makes a little bit of money and they'd splash out on an ice cream, you know, on the high street or main street. And she's, she's just learning how to be, she's not even learning how to be a woman. She's just learning how to be a teenager. Uh, and, and I work with, 13 and 14 year olds. Uh, I, I do tours up in Washington, DC. So I see them constantly. And I've, I've been teaching courses up there for the last eight years I've aged, but every year the kids remain the same age. And so I see these girls, uh, sort of trying to flirt with the boys, uh, you know, expressing interest in trying to be more womanly than they are. So the first part of this song where, um, you know, when, uh, all her mates would giggle is lady like she'd wiggle. Uh, I'm just seeing a lot of the students I work with. Everybody goes through that awkward phase. You're not a, you're not a kid. You're not an adult. You're somewhat in between and you're trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, oh boy, I, I just, I, I get emotional sometimes when I listen to songs and I, I think the, the lines the lines in a squeeze song that affect me most, it's that one verse. Each morning she got sicker. Her mother son- sometimes hit her. If she'd have known the story, she would have been so sorry. You can hear my voice cracking now. Mm. This is a fictional character. And this girl's in a uh, shes in a situation. Um, can she get out of it? Can she navigate this? And her mother hitting her but she doesn't know the story. And if she had, she would have felt so sorry. Um, so it's, it's just this sort of tragic couple who I, I think if if I'm reading this correctly, um, there was nothing else to do, but get rid of it, get rid of it. And, oh my God, it, you just, all of these, these, um, life decisions that they're having to make uh, and they're not prepared to make them. Um, it's, you, you're rooting for this couple. You hope they make it. Uh, but they've really found themselves in a situation, uh, that's out of their control and, uh, you, 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 just feel sorry for them. But again, uh, it's, um, it's a, a beautiful, perspective on that that period of life and uh you know i i i don't know i i knew kids in high school who all of a sudden they're in class one day and they're not the next hey where, where did bonnie go uh you didn't hear and then all of a sudden it's like yeah boy this is this is what happens real life situations and uh uh anyway just I i could go on about it but uh you, you know it's just uh, just wonderfully captured
0: and it's universal obviously because it's still speaking to you and 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 speaking to a lot of people who again could be absolutely blindsided if they took a moment uh again, with the way that um, Glenn wrote this melody, that um, actually when you watch him perform, he's singing and doing this very complicated um, lick over and over and over and over and over again. And you're kind of momentarily distracted uh, when you're watching that. And you could completely miss the point of what's going on. Whereas the laid back approach of, um, up the junction is, seems more appropriate. And it's interesting that this is coming from a British perspective. And yet again, uh, the way that Chris is able to put all of this into a storyline that yes. here we are again, resonating so far in the future, you'd never would have thought that these, you know, 20 something kids uh, who played for all these uh, hooligans in a you know in the pubs around Deptford uh, would come would 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 be able to extract something so yes. deep yeah. um, that didn't really even affect any of them.
1: And you know somehow Chris knew intrinsically is that the word intrinsically? Yeah. Uh, that human the reason history works and i i'm a student of history uh the reason it works and the reason you can learn from it is because human nature never changes and that's what makes that gives us this connectivity that gives us an understanding what happened in the past will happen in the future not it it doesn't uh rhyme it, what is it uh it it doesn't rhyme but it echoes or something like that um it doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, something to that uh, extent, where you can't always predict the situation, but you can generally predict how a society will work, how how people will react. And I think knowing that human nature is a constant, he he writes on a level where everybody could understand this. Uh, it, you know, it's like a Charlie Chaplin film. You can show it in Japan, you can show it in Australia, you can show it in uh, Somalia, and people would understand it because it's it's a universal truth. And the gist of Vicky Verky is a universal truth. Uh, every Everybody goes through the same maturing, they go through a, same, a first crush, a first love. Uh, Situations that they can't quite figure out. And he wrapped it all up into this beautiful, uh, you know, three minutes.
0: And it's just, I hope it's one that people kind of maybe hopefully through this discussion will go back and look at a little bit more carefully. I think it gets a little bit lost when you talk about the more hits oriented songs and tunes that are on this album, Um, the, the um, subject matter, you know, should really be investigated more deeply. And I think that that's going on a lot, especially with RG Bargy. I never really kind of thought about um, like the next one that you were um, listed was there at the top again, more of a female driven storyline. It's a little ambiguous to me. It kind of, I mean, it's not as straightforward. You think that you're kind of maybe observing a woman who is coming into her own, who wants to do better with her life. Um, and she's in control and in charge of, you know, a sort of like a a businessman or something, Mm -hmm. um, and going on these trips and everything. But the, the last part of the song kind of leaves you a little, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Because could she be, And uh, you know, I would suggest when people listen to this podcast, um, that, you know, bring up the lyrics in front of you as we talk about them, and and I certainly, um, I am not the the expert at this. I can't say definitively that's what this song is exactly about. Uh, you, it's malleable; you can play with it, but uh, it, it's it's nice to look at this. And yeah, you you started off again. I'll go back to um, uh, "She's Leaving Home" or "Another Day" by Paul McCartney. And when, hey, she's in her comfy red Granada up to the Midlands with a tape Sinatra, I think that's probably the first time Sinatra and Granada had been rhymed. But again, found under covers with some representative. The deal is affected, but still only tentative. And then the very last line, back to the mirror in the Empress Hotel with a businessman smiles and the object is sell. What? Yeah. What is it? What what is her uh, (laughs) career path? (laughs) what did what what is that all about um 21 years old she's out on her own is is she uh getting into middle management is she an account manager for uh some firm or is it something a little bit more untoward uh i i don't know but you're right with when you point out in in, uh, several of the songs that i've chosen it is from a woman's perspective or about a woman and I, I wonder where that comes from for Chris, if he finds it easier to write uh, for the, I mean, if he, if the character in the song were a man, how would that change things? Would it have been as easy for him to write it uh, as he did uh, for this with this 21-year-old woman?
0: I'm not sure. You know, I'm just, I'm thinking sort of like just knee-jerk in my mind, like what could have transpired? And Kind of, I've I've read his autobiography, but I wouldn't be able to sort of pull it out of thin air about how how it all kind of transpired for him. I know that um, he was very very close to his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother, his parents were not absolutely uh, the loving type between a right. standard wife and and husband. There was a little uh, sort of philandering going on there. Mm. But he was very close. However, he was very young. Um, He had two older brothers, much older than him. So he has a very nostalgic, warm kind of uh, memory, I believe, of what his mother was like and how he was although um you know he wasn't like the best circumstances he could concoct a lot of this from just his imagination because and he has said this too that he had imaginary friends and he could have concocted a lot of this besides seeing possibly some of it happen in real life um he seemed to have been very taken with that kind of, um, you know, that kind of mindset. So that's, that's just my personal mm. perspective on it. Yeah.
1: And the fact that you, I, I didn't know that he had imaginary friends, but what boy, what a, uh, you know, what a good, um, way to create imaginary worlds. Yeah. Like
0: yeah. I mean, like where, where could you go, You know, as far as picking up, um, you know, things like that in your life that you not necessarily are going through. And they didn't actually have, you know, the white picket fence type of upbringing either. Um, But they had girlfriends that, you know, were very close to them. Um, You know, he was very close with uh, Glenn's first girlfriend, Maxine. And I think he saw and he has described that situation as being very, they were both very angelic
1: Aww. together.
0: Aww. And she lived in a world that was much more upscale and more upscale than he had ever known. And he was very um friendly with her, very close with her and her parents. So again, that's just me hypothesizing a lot. <laughs> Of where possibly this female-driven viewpoint could be coming from. But, you know, that's kind of just where I feel like it's, you know, I don't know where it's coming yeah. from.
1: Yeah, well, wherever it came from, it landed in the right spot. It was uh, just so well done.
0: Yeah, so the next one, the day I get home. Yeah. That's one that I don't I don't really seem to... Uh, dial into possibly i'm gonna let you take the lead on that one
1: yeah the, the the reason i liked it i think this came out around 92 um was it on ridiculous um oh,
0: it's on play which play. is like okay. one yeah
1: yeah and I, I think what i like about this is nearly every band every solo artist every band has a song about touring and it's like oh my god i'm tired of the hotels i'm you know, tired of the bus i'm tired of the planes i'm tired of uh, the, the in and out, not being able to see my kids, my house, you know, the things I'm comfortable with. And the, the, the lyrics are a little bit surreal as, as you go through them. Uh, it, it doesn't, nothing really connects the dots, but the lamppost moving in the road, I sing and dance in falling rain. It's good to be back home again. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, homeward bound, uh, talking heads have songs about, uh, getting back home again in this one I, I just i just like the, the way uh glenn sings it uh when this young man comes rolling home the cheese on toast is in the grill uh, memories are filed the way i come and go and it's fun that way um uh, it, it's there's again i'll go back to the imagery he, he gets back home hey he just wants a grilled cheese sandwich fine He's he's comfortable there. And when he when he's out on the road, um, he wants to get home when he's home. It's like, well, uh, the roads that map the globe go east and west and north and south. He wants to get back out again. But generally, it's a song about homecoming. It's a song about the things that we find comfortable as a as a travel writer. um, I could I could go out for months and months at a time, but at some point the switch is flipped and you just want to, Oh my God, I just want to sit in my couch, you know, on my couch, or in, I just want to be in my bed. And that's, that's what I get out of this one is just a, a different way. It's not, uh, it's, it's not so basic. it's a little bit more abstract uh, about uh, I, I think the, the touring life of a musician and then the desire just to return home, and again, as as a travel writer, I I would experience similar things without you know a crowd of five thousand people watching me. <laughs> but uh, I did want to get home again, and and again, that's the universal truth of uh, I think most people we we all share that thing. There's no place like home.
0: Yeah, and for for Chris, I can give you a little backstory on practically the entire album which he was in a really bad place uh, mentally. um, And he did not want to be where he was, which was uh, on the West Coast with the band uh, doing this album. And he was extremely uh, careless with his health. He was taking a lot of drugs. And in fact, he um, went down... I believe it was the highway to get back to where he was. He didn't want to stay with the band nearby and he went down the wrong way.
1: Oh, uh, heavens!
0: and he's very, very lucky that he didn't get killed. Right. And, but he was so not there. He just could not place himself in a mindset that was going to be worth his time. And he had left, uh, he had just had a baby. Uh, I think the Gulf war was going on. So okay. you can see that kind of reflected in in a lot of what's going on um you know subliminally in these lyrics where he has got that surrealism and dreamlike quality that may or may not have anything based in reality and i think that's kind of where his mind was
1: yeah and i'm glad he i'm glad he worked through it i I wasn't aware of uh the the situation around it and again that's uh, i'll i'll my mia culpa. I'm certainly not an expert in this and anyone who hears it might have a different interpretation. But when you, when you know, like you've just explained uh, his, his, where his life was at the time, uh, it just adds another layer to it. And again, that's why I think we listen to musicians. We listen to artists because they can say things to us uh, and make it enjoyable uh, because we get to unwrap the package and try to figure it out and uh, see how it relates to us or uh, on a personal level or how it relates to us on like an intellectual level. Can, can we figure it out? Does it, does it, you know, check the boxes that, that we like in a song? So.
0: Yeah. And I think it really goes very, very deep. You know, they, they kind of came back with the next song uh, that you chose, which is yes. Third Rail, which yes. is off of Some Fantastic place. Wow, wow. And this, the whole entire album just has such a poignancy to it. Yeah. And the backstory on that essentially was that... Um, for the actual uh, song, "Some Fantastic Place," Maxine had 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 passed. Right. She died very early, I believe. She had leukemia, if I'm not mistaken. And Chris took that, and everybody did, of course. You can hear it in Glenn's voice because this was Glenn's first serious girlfriend. So they had brought Paul Carrick back to play keyboards for the album. So I feel like this whole entire album is a wash in nostalgia
1: yeah and and you i mean just the 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 cover of some fantastic place and chris again sort of pouring his heart out for this this person for maxine um and when you get to this song third rail uh i i think i think why i picked this one is it is again whether you're a teenager in your twenties at every phase of your life. And it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It could just be a friendship. I mean, I've had friends for like 20 years and all of a sudden I'm not talking to them anymore. And it's not that I don't like them. It's just, okay, just sort of move past that. And, you know, that could be the third rail. And, um, when, when you get to the very end of the song, and again, it's, it's just about change. They, They want it to work, but there's just no energy left. And it's, you know, this is a nice one where it's nobody's fault. Uh it's it's not like you cheated on me and uh I hate you or whatever it is you, you know, you fell in love with uh my best friend. It's just like they're they're just not connecting anymore. And I, I think the line in this one that really does it for me is when they're on the platform. Uh and if you've ridden on a train or the tube uh in england or london you you know what it's like and you i've seen scenes of lovers uh kissing each other getting on the train i've I've seen arguments uh in the tube stations and uh and and so he puts you there we kiss on the platform and the, the way glenn sings the doors slow, Lee, close uh, I, I just love the way he he pulls that one line out like theater curtains pulled after the show. We both know it's over. Somehow we failed, uh, but they didn't fail. They didn't fail. They're just growing up. It, 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 I, I hate that. You know, it sounds like a cliche, growing apart, but that's what they did. But they're also growing up, and everybody's just trying to get through this. And uh, I think that's why I like this song. It's it's just. Everybody has, you know, a hundred battles every day, and you have to make decisions it's it's all improvisation. You're trying to figure it out as you go along. Everybody's just trying to make it through life, and this couple is too. And whatever separated them is um, nothing sinister. It's nothing bad. It's just the the life cycle of a relationship.
0: Yeah, like with Chris, you could be losing the passion or wondering, you know, partially you're trying to figure out where did I lose this connection yeah. with the person that I was having such a, a deep emotional bond with. Sure. And he's mulling it over in many, many, many different ways. And there's really no concrete answer to to any of this. And again, I think also... Um, you know, again, that was partially his state of mind and, uh, you know, not being able to figure out uh, within his relationship. And also he he speaks quite bluntly about, you know, losing something with Glenn. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been together for, you know, 20 years and they're still making music. However, you know, you've got these scenes of... Well, we're just going to go with it, you know, and we've left a lot of stuff behind and it just seems really convenient. He talks a lot about this in his autobiography where there really wasn't a plan. It's just like, okay, we're Chris and Glenn. We've got a band called Squeeze and we're just going to do it, you know, without any real thought process like, well, doing it this way could be very, very harmful, you know, to our mental state. And I think that tends to make him very, very uh, melancholy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm aware of, you know, some of the difficulties Chris had. and And again, but like I said, everybody's just trying to get through it. Whether you're a gifted songwriter and you've got fans all over the world, you know, or if you're just, you know, you and your wife in a house alone, everybody's trying to navigate it. And, you know, that, yeah, this could be... As you now, now that you mention it, could be Glenn, could be the the person on the platform uh, that they're, you know, that they're discussing their their relationship.
0: Okay, so we're moving along to our next one, which is a very underrated album, and a lot of people say, please give it some time. Um, is from Sweets from a Stranger, which is His House, Her Home. Isn't that an intriguing uh, title? Gosh,
1: uh, and yeah, His House, Her Home. Sometimes I, I, I listen to it, read the lyrics and think, okay, is it, um, is, is the couple divorced and, or it, did the person, did the husband, uh, pass away? Uh, your husband is watching from his portrait. His eyes are looking down on the slipper and stocking. Um, he, he says, when we're in the bathroom, sees me kissing mother, doesn't blink an eye, ask a lot of questions. So, you know, and then he gets bound hungry for the love I rescued from the grave. So did the, the father uh, pass away? And this guy comes into the picture and the kid's trying to puzzle it out. Uh, who is this new guy in the house? Uh, you know, he's watching cartoons. He, I'm now part of his life. He didn't expect it. He didn't sign up for this, but now we're together and I've got to, I've got to figure this out. Uh, How do I inject myself into the life of this woman and to the life of her son? And boy, I tell you, again, when I was coming up in the seventies and you see divorce is a little, you know, happening a little bit more frequently and you see uh friends who all of a sudden have hey the new stepmom is there a new stepdad is there and it's this stranger that um all of a sudden you're expected to welcome them in but it it takes a lot more than that and and again you you can see this and you can you can see that that little bit of awkwardness when he's watching cartoons and it's not his son who's watching cartoons it's your son is is doing that there's a separation there um but he wants to be part of it and and again he he's trying to puzzle this out this character is trying to navigate this really really uh narrow channel to to make sure things go right because he 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 appreciates this woman he appreciates her son but it's his house for home
0: yeah and i thought that that was always a very um very pointed uh way of saying i i know i i, I have to work at it here yeah
1: um, yeah because
0: i'm coming into a situation that involves a child yes and there's another interesting uh uh verse in here where he says um let me see if I can find it where he's talking about back against the bookcase down down upon upon the floor, 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 floor. empty the decanter slur again for more. So it almost feels like he's kind of like, I don't know. Guilty is not the word, but he's trying so hard and maybe, you know um, he feels internally like he doesn't know if he could do this or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you can read that two different ways on the slipper and stocking back against the bookcase down upon the floor, empty the canter. So, you know, are, are they having drunken sex? I don't Ooh. know. Or is, or is he just, you know, boozing it up and passing out? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know either, whichever way you slice it and whatever way you, uh, point the camera, uh, you can get a, a different image and a different, um, storyline to this but generally it's it's the same it's the stranger uh in the house and how how does he become part of that house
0: yeah absolutely so we're gonna actually move on to brighter things okay yeah <laughs> not so oh, much but to a um, yeah to a degree um you're this is your what you've called basically your favorite squeeze song yeah, which is yeah. up the junction up so the junction can- you're going to have to go for this one, sir. Uh,
1: okay. I'll do my best. But I tell you, I get, I get choked up at this one too. And I've listened to it for 40 something years now. It's just one of those songs that pulls a trigger and you, you hear it. And I've said this before. And in fact, I think somebody posted the video on Facebook recently. And I said, this is a two hour movie captured in a three minute song. Uh, how he advances every single verse and there's no chorus in this i believe just every single verse advances the storyline and uh i i think you know it's, it seems to me someone should just make a movie about this because the script is already written uh th- there there is just so much going on and Every time I think of it, because the first time I heard it, you know, I was I was a kid. You know, I was not a kid. I was in my late teens, and I could see myself in a situation like this. I could see myself. Okay, hey, this is uh, you fall in love with a girl, and you you work hard because you want to buy her some flowers. And in that one verse, I got a job with Stanley. Hey, you know who Stanley is? He said I'd come in handy. Started me on Monday. Had a bath on Sunday. Uh, bought her some flowers. Boom! Right away, she said she'd seen a doctor. Nothing now could stop her. You've are you've met this couple. Fifty five seconds later, she's ready to have a baby, and she's not going to give it up. Oh my God! What is going to happen? And then he doesn't. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't say, "I'm in over my head." No, I'm going to work all through the winter. And so, you know, time is passing and he puts away his money. He says, sells, sells the television set, late evenings by the fire, little kicks inside even as Amy, even as I'm saying those words, I'm getting chills just reciting them. And again, this is 40 years plus since I first heard this song. Um, you, you sympathize with, again, a young couple, uh, that, that isn't prepared for what's about to happen to them. And again, in, in one line, no wonder Chris has won awards for her songwritings. Uh, she gave birth to a daughter within a year of Walker. Okay, so you've now gone from the, the, the time in Clapham to them moving into the basement. Now she has the baby. And now a year later, she's in a walker. And then just immediately after that, she's two years older. So the little, the baby is now three years old. And what has happened in those three years? Well, they've split up. The guy became a drunk. Uh, The mother is now with a soldier. And now he's in the kitchen by himself. And it's just such a dismal uh, depressing scene, and you and he's he's taken us through this, and, and with Glenn's beautiful, beautiful voice and just the understated playing on it—nothing fancy, uh, nothing dramatic—just a slice of life song with lyrics that just tell you everything you need to know and nothing more. But the nothing more is the stuff that is. Added by your imagination, the visuals of all of this. And, and, and again, I would imagine if, if you could chart these, um, we would all share 90% of the visuals people get from the song would would fall uh, along the same lines. It's, it's the way that when you see a movie after uh, reading a book, when they make a movie out of a book, uh, the director... The art director, the producer, uh, the set designers—everybody's had has shared a similar similar visual, and I think that's what most people would see uh, in in this song. And the fact that Chris can propel it through four years, a four year relationship, in three minutes is extraordinary extraordinary and to be able to do that with just little lines like again she gave birth to a daughter within a year a walker uh she said she'd seen a doctor nothing now could stop her it's you know okay she's having a baby uh she has the kicks inside her she uh 2 years after she's moving or scooting around the room in a walker we're split up and I'm, I'm drinking too much. I couldn't even, I can't handle any of these things where before I'd have a bath, I'd work 11 hours. I can't even function. My wife has left me and she's taken the baby. Oh my God. Oh my God. That I, I wish they put a special Nobel prize for uh songwriting and just give it to Chris and, and Glenn for this one, because I, I, I just can't, I can't even, if you compare this to any other song. This is uh this is just on top form, just absolutely top form. And just listen to it sometime. If you're listening to this podcast when I'm done yapping about it, you know, just sit sit by yourself, turn this song on, listen to the lyrics and let your mind go. Let your imagination go with it and um see where it takes you. See where it takes you and how, how you can paint this portrait of, of what Chris has written about. And again, every song we've talked about, it, it just underscores his genius uh, as a songwriter. And I wish Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, would just, somebody would just like tap him on the shoulder and said, hey, you're looking for another uh, Broadway musical. Why not the the lyrics, um, you know, the music and lyrics of Difford and Tilbrook? Uh, That that would be phenomenal because he could he could pick out 10 songs, 15 songs, and he's got it all right there. It's all set. He just has to come up with the characters to to plug into it.
0: I know I wish sometimes, but based on the fact that it uh, was so early in their career, when you look at the video for that song you'd like there to be um a little bit more but it's interesting the connection let's do it there's yeah. the beatles connection yep. that the uh, song was filmed at tit in john lennon's uh house yeah uh, actually i don't know if he was not there he had already moved to to new york city so they were blown away because they had also done cool for cats in the little church that sits on the estate And they thought that they were just doing the one, the cool for cats. So you can tell that they were just going great guns on that video. And then it turns out the director said, oh, you know, hey, we got some time to kill. Let's go in the kitchen and do up the junction. And if you look at if you look at Glenn, he's just so like bleary eyed and so knackered to deliver this thing. It's just that's, I find that amusing. But you know? his,
1: his his demeanor matches the song. It's yeah. somebody who's been beaten down and just at the end of their rope. And where do they go from here? And I, I'm not saying, you know, Glenn was. Th- you know, three years drunk, (laughs) but uh, it was, it was just, it, it fit the song, his, his appearance fit the song and that of the band and the women cooking on the stoves in the background. It's just a little bit of motion. Uh, until you sort of think, okay, this could be, uh, the woman, even though there's two of them, this could be the woman that, uh, is, you know, working in the basement or, you know, living in a basement, uh, and it just trying to get by trying to get through the winter and trying to uh, uh again navigate life but uh, i i just can't say enough good things about this song it high marks all all the way across every single part of it there are certain songs that are perfect where you literally could not change a note to make it better uh, and there's some songs i i i know that oh it's almost there but then they put some sort of musical break-in and it just sort of messes it up. This song, there's, there's just no way to improve it. Have I said, have I told you I like this song, by the way?
0: A tiny bit.
1: Oh, (laughs) okay. Okay.
0: But I mean, I absolutely, I would agree with you. And I think in today's uh, technologically advanced uh, era, I'm hoping that sometime there will be somebody who would like to take advantage of the fact that this is um, worthy of, of a little bit of a short, you know, film attached to them. It it may happen, it may not happen, but the fact that we can visualize in our mind, minus the video even, um, is just a testament to... Um, the delivery, the lyrics, um, and you know, oftentimes we always keep saying Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney for the two of them. But I've actually feel more in tune with the fact that we've got um, a Bernie Taupin and Elton John uh, partnership going here, and the fact that they wrote separately and Chris delivered things to 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 Glenn just shows you how. Things like this, especially like with Up to Junction, just happen and you don't get a chorus and you just get Up to Junction is literally the last three words in the song. Yep.
1: Yep. Uh, Again, just genius level. And I'm glad at the time uh, the critics and the media were tuned into it and they knew something special was happening uh, with, with the band. Uh, and, and they got the credit they deserved. I'm so happy uh, for them that they weren't overlooked and said, "Oh, we'll just do one al- album and it doesn't go anywhere, and we'll just call it a day." No, they they kept going and going and going and going, and I'm I'm really grateful and glad they did
0: yeah i'm I'm really happy that you're going you know you were able to expound upon the fact that you know up the junction is is basically the minor classic you know that it is major classic that it is and deserves uh and a lot of the songs that you've picked out deserve uh way way more attention yeah. uh that they're given uh rather than you know keep beating the the drum over you know um several other songs yeah, that are right. well and better well known for so I, you know that's why I appreciate the fact that with your with your journalistic background and your, you know, your world traveling that you're able to put a different spin on it all. Well, I,
1: I hope this was helpful. I know this was, uh, I, it, it was fun for me. And I'm, uh, if, if, uh, folks who listen to it, uh, find some commonality in how they think about the songs or want to go through just for, uh, you know, a little exercise, uh, go through each album and pick out one or two songs on each album, put them on a, you know, on a mix, uh, tape or whatever it is that they call them today. And just, uh, Try to dig into it a little bit uh, and and figure out why you like that song, why it speaks to you and and you gave me a platform to to discuss this again. I'm no expert i'm just a I'm just a fan who uh just appreciates uh good writing and uh, Chris's writing along with Glenn's melodies and voice uh, or even Chris's voice sometimes uh it, it's it's just beautiful it's such a such a gift. Um, we're not around here very long. And uh to have this happen while we're here is is wonderful.
0: Well, Gary, I so appreciate the fact that you took the time out to to wax lyrical uh on, on all of this wonderful uh you know gifts that 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 just keep on coming to be perfectly honest they, they don't seem to stop and the the reimagining and and the retrospect on on a lot of this music uh is warranted so i just want to say thank you so much for all of you know your time uh for for spending it with uh, me and uh our, our listening audience
1: well and i compliment you amy for starting this podcast and i compliment your listeners for having the good sense to tune in to squeeze um you, you can't go wrong. They're, uh, it, it, I think, in the top five bands of all time, just, just for their output uh, and their, uh, just for their ability to, to craft music that is eternal. That people will, uh, it, as long as people are people and human nature is a constant, people will tune into music like this and see themselves.